Hello and welcome to the Curious Choice Leader podcast. I'm your host, Becca Brito, and it's time to step into your leadership one curious choice at a time. This show is dedicated to helping experts like you become the leader you want to be, to create working worlds that work for you, your business and everyone connected with it, whether it's your own business or someone else's. There's something that every leader I know dreads having to do, and that's making people redundant. But right now, it's something that more and more of us are having to do. And I think it's a good thing that we dread it. We should care about the people we lead. And having to let them go through no fault of their own is horrid for everyone. When things are tough like this, good leadership shows and great leadership shines. It is going to be tough. But what if you were able to work through it constructively and position everyone for success in their future? whether it's inside your organisation or inside someone else's. So, are you ready? It's time to get curious and make some choices about how you lead when there are redundancies in the air. The CIPD, the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, is reporting that one in three companies here in the UK are planning redundancies. And the Office of National Statistics is reporting an even higher number, with two in five planning redundancies, when the government's job support scheme ends and people return to work from furlough. With over 7.5 million people still on the UK furlough scheme at the start of August, whichever way you look at it, the number of leaders who are going to have to lead their teams through the redundancy process is huge. And the chances are most of us dread having to be one of the leaders in that position. In all my years of working with change, and with managers who are having to consider making people redundant, I've never met anyone who looked forward to it, or who didn't mind doing it. I've never met a corporate terminator like George Clooney's character in the film Up in the Air. And alas, I've never met George Clooney. The film fascinated me on so many levels. When I watched it, I was travelling extensively for work, and it was intriguing to see a very different version of the lifestyle play back to me, and to see how they handled the firings. And I get it. The idea of hiring someone to have that difficult conversation for you is so tempting. If I never have to hold another redundancy meeting, I'll be thrilled. But even if this is an option in your situation, it's got some serious downsides for your team on an ongoing basis. The film is, however, a good watch, and you might learn some things you don't want to say or do if you're making people redundant, as well as a few things you might find useful. So making redundancies is going to test your leadership, and you have a choice about how you approach this. You could choose to avoid the issue for as long as possible, and if you engage in the process at all, only to do it at a surface level, doing the absolute minimum and letting other people take control, leaving yourself and your team as victims of the redundancy programme. Or maybe you'll choose not to be quite that bad, and do what needs to be done, but without taking any ownership or any responsibility, and keep things going as close to normal as possible, just leaving what happens as a big elephant in the room with everyone worrying and thinking about it, and no one feeling safe or really able to get their work done while it's still there. After all, surely it'll be okay and safe if you hide behind the process and use that a way of disowning any responsibility. Or maybe you'll choose to step up and lead your team with empathy, compassion, humanity, and with a determination to create the best future you can for everyone involved, those staying and those going. I'm hopeful as a listener to this podcast that the third option sounds good to you but you may be wondering if it's possible or even realistic. Just as we were heading into the last recession here in the UK, I was involved in a major redundancy programme. My own role was being made redundant at the same time, and the last piece of work I was asked to do was to make about a third of a large function of the organisation redundant too. This wasn't the first round of redundancies this leadership team had faced, 
and they didn't want to do it. They were acutely aware of the impact that going through this process can have on a team. According to all the internal measures, their team were the least engaged and the least satisfied in the whole organisation. At our first meeting to discuss the redundancy programme, it was clear what they didn't want as a team and that we needed to do some things very differently. To stop them falling into a poor me pity party, I asked them to tell me how they wanted the process to be and how they'd know if they'd achieved it. As they started to describe how they wanted to treat people and how they wanted the team to be after the redundancies, not in terms of roles, but in terms of what it would be like to work as part of that team, everyone's body language changed. They sat forward in their chairs and the energy in the room was electric. This group of leaders were very competitive and wanted to do a better job, not just better than their best, but better than any other function in the organisation. We were able to pull together a list of guiding principles that we, as a leadership team, were going to hold ourselves accountable for, and which we then went on to use as a guide for our decision making, and how we approached both the conversations we had, and how we implemented the legal processes involved. And just to be clear, you need to ensure you are following the legal requirements and any guidelines that your company has in place. They're there for a reason. What we're talking about here is how you do that, the approach you take to following the mandatory steps. When the time came to announce the redundancy programme, we talked about all our hopes for the process. We were realistic and we didn't promise that everything would be okay for everybody, but we did talk about how we wanted to make sure everyone was treated as an individual and with respect and dignity, regardless of the outcome of the process for them. We talked about how we would make the process as quick as we could while keeping it fair. We asked them to suggest ways we could do things so that they would feel supported and asked them to tell us when something fell off or not aligned with the principles we'd talked about. This took courage and unity from the leadership team and a genuine curiosity in what was best for each individual. We didn't promise we could do the things they wanted, but we did commit to listening and to being clear about what we could and couldn't do. The leaders I was working with were committed fully to serving their teams during this process. They put people first and remembered that they were leaders first and their friends second. And yes, there were lots of tough decisions and really tough conversations. And yes, there was a lot of both coffee and wine drunk at appropriate times of day, but they worked as a team and supported each other too. They had chosen how they were going to do this, how they were going to lead, and they made the process work for their teams and for them. All the leaders publicly committed to sharing information when they could, and to communicate regularly, even if it was just to say there was no news, knowing that when they didn't communicate, people would assume the worst. It was the first time I'd seen people who were leaving an organisation thank the person who'd made them redundant for the way they'd been treated. What's more, almost everyone left the organisation feeling good about themselves and about the process, and more importantly, ready to think about the next steps for them. If it's handled badly, being made redundant can leave a huge scar on the person and it can take a while for them to process that and be ready to look for their next role. If you've ever done much interviewing or thinking about friends who've been made redundant, I'm sure you can think about someone who was a ball of anger and hurt and not able to let go of their previous job and the pain it was causing them. Until someone is through that, they're going to struggle to get another job or even see the opportunities they have. And what was really great about this team and what they achieved is they didn't leave people in that position. The individuals who leave are not the only ones who suffer from a poorly led redundancy programme. Those who are staying can suffer too. I've seen many a leader, even those who've experienced leading redundancy programmes before, assume that those who get to keep their jobs will be grateful, okay, and just carry on as normal. But that's not how it is. 
often they're suffering from a kind of survivor guilt, feeling guilty that they got to keep their jobs while their friends and colleagues didn't. They may well be worried about the people who've left. And on top of that, they're probably worrying about how they're going to get everything done now that there are less people to do it. And they're going to be worrying if their own job is all that secure. You as a leader need to make it okay to talk about these concerns and to talk about the people who you all used to work with. Share their stories and share their news where it's appropriate. Make sure you listen and don't just dismiss concerns. The people who are staying will have noticed and remembered how you treated the people who left, further reinforcing why it's important to decide how you're going to be as a leader during this process. A redundancy programme is a change programme for everyone involved, and thinking about what's going to help people through that, building that into your plan, and knowing what you're doing to lead your team will ease the process for everyone, including yourself. You're going to need to lean into all your experiences of leading change, and if you're looking for some tips, I share a lot of those in episodes three and four of this podcast, what leaders need to do when they're leading change. So going back to the case study I was telling you about, as well as making sure people in our teams felt supported, we also made sure that the leaders felt supported too. For example, we set up a buddy system and regular drop-in sessions for them, and we made coaching from a specialist coach available to them as often as they wanted it, and suggested they book sessions every couple of weeks just to check in. As the programme progressed and another tier of leaders joined the team making the changes happen, we ensured that they got that extra support too. Once we knew who was staying and going, we needed to start thinking about the future and bringing the function back together again so it could fulfil its role in the organisation. This felt really awkward for just about everyone. Many of the people who'd been selected for redundancy hadn't left yet as the company policy was for them to work their notice. As a leadership team, we spent many hours discussing how to handle this. We didn't want to isolate the people who were leaving by excluding them, but we didn't want to rub salt into their wounds by expecting them to get involved with designing a future they weren't going to be part of. Both those went against our principle of treating people as humans, with empathy and with respect. We had to dig a bit deeper into our principles to get to where we'd said that we'd let people control the parts of the process that we could. This was one of those times. We let the people who were leaving make the choice about this for themselves. Some chose to get involved in designing the future, wanting to do everything they could to leave the organisation in as strong a position as possible, while others chose not to, and instead picked up bits of work which allowed people who were staying to focus on the future. You may be wondering what difference taking this approach made. The company ran its annual employee survey just after the majority of people who were leaving the organisation actually left. Typically, this would be a time when team morale and employee engagement is expected to be low. This leadership team encouraged their teams to complete the anonymous survey and help them understand what else they could do to support them as a team going forward. We got an exceptionally high return rate. I mentioned they were a competitive team and good survey returns were one of their goals. But that wasn't the only thing they did well. They went from having the least satisfied and least engaged team to having the most engaged team in the organisation by a considerable margin, and to having the joint most satisfied team in the organisation. It took a lot of work and dedication to make that happen, but it is possible to emerge the other side of a redundancy programme in a strong position, and having positioned those who've had to leave to succeed in whatever comes next for them. So in this episode, I've talked about a lot of things that could help you lead your team through a redundancy programme, should you find yourself needing to. The main ideas I hope you take away are that you can decide how you want to be as a leader, the values and behaviours that you're going to demonstrate during this process, that you can actively translate that down into how you implement the process, 
The process may be fixed, but how you act in those meetings and how you demonstrate that people are more important than process is within your control. That it's really important to listen to people and to spend a lot of time communicating. That it's important to treat everyone, those who are leaving and those who are staying, with dignity and respect. It is going to be remembered. And then finally, that a redundancy programme is a change programme that goes beyond the day that people are being made redundant leave. So you're going to have to use all your change leadership skills and you're going to have to focus on bringing your team back together and moving towards your new future. The things I share in this podcast are based on my experiences and some will be more relevant to you than others. It's up to you to decide what you're going to take away from this episode and apply to your role. That's what being a curious choice leader is all about. Getting curious, building your understanding and then making choices about what's right for you and your business. The future of our leadership and our teams is created in how we handle this kind of situation. So the question I'd like to leave you with is this. How are you going to be as a leader when you're leading in an environment where people are being made redundant? If you found this episode useful and thought-provoking, I would love it if you would subscribe and share it with others who you think would also find it useful. If you're wondering what all this means for you and your leadership right now, or if you're looking to elevate your leadership as you lead a team through possible redundancies, contact me about the coaching and consultancy I offer leaders and leadership teams who are ready to step into their leadership one curious choice at a time. Visit thecuriouschoiceleader.com where you'll also find a full transcript of this and all our previous episodes. Thank you for listening and until the next time, stay curious and I look forward to talking with you again soon.